Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I titled this morning's message for the next few minutes, if you'll allow me, Do or Die. Do or Die. Everybody has heard that particular saying. Those of you who have been here, uh, was here uh, this past Wednesday, you'll hear me reiterate and speak again on the things that I spoke about. So I hope it blesses you as well or reminds you because we can easily forget. But we've all said a time or two, especially when we were kids, do or die. And that basically came a little saying that we coined as kids and even as we get older to someone that we expect them to do something. Like, you better do it, do or die. And it's a funny thing because, you know, basically he's stressing the importance of wanting you to do whatever he's challenging you to do on his behalf or whatever the case may be. Do or die. Well, this morning I want to use that Little saying that used to mean nothing to us except just a simple challenge to one of our friends. I want you to think about what it really says. Do or die. There is something in the Bible that teaches us that there are things the church needs to do or else someone will die. That's a good place for amen. Missed it. Do or die. In the Bible, we are taught that unless we do certain things, someone will indeed die. And I'm not talking about our friendship. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Do or die. And I'm, no, 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 no. I'm talking about death. Spiritual, hell-bound, Christless death. Unless the church embraces that which God has commanded. Now that term begins to become more significant and it means something more important because now we're talking like adults. We're not talking about kids that are playing some hideaway or hide-and-seek game in the back of the house. We're, I'm talking to you about us being the culprits of someone dying. Don't kill the messenger. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. We're commanded to speak Christ to the lost and dying world. And sadly enough, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that evangelism is the major most next to prayer, major most forgotten art and commission in the church? Very few people evangelize in this world anymore. I told the class on Wednesday, we find it awe-striking when we hear that in Dallas, in some other country or other state, that uh, there's a revival going on because somehow some people were riled up and there are people hitting the streets and evangelizing. And we sit there in awe and go like, wow, how extraordinary. When indeed what we see and we hear 
just sporadically around here and there and every now and then should be something normal in the house of God. Evangelism is something normal in the house of God, but yet it's so, so foreign. Some of us don't understand it. Some of us would rather not talk about it. Why? Because it pulls you out of that warm pew you're sitting in. Why? Because it pulls you out of that silent mode you're in when it comes to Christ. Why? Because it challenges your relationship at work. Why? Because it challenges your relationship at school. Why? Because it challenges your relationship with your friends, family, whoever it may be around you. Let's not talk about evangelism because now you're challenging me and telling me that I have to tell somebody about Jesus. You know, I couldn't find another title for this message. But at the end of the day, when I look at it now, I find no greater title for this message. Because that's how serious, ladies and gentlemen, the lack of evangelism can be in the house of God. While all of us celebrate, and I love the fact that we've been having great services, our worship services are great. You are loving God and praising Him. Do you ever stop and say, what about those outside? Do you ever stop to think about your family? I wonder what they're doing. You ever stop to think about that uncle who right now is probably waking up. Instead of having breakfast, he's having some alcohol. Or You ever stop to think about that nephew who instead of doing something productive in the day, he's rolling up another marijuana cigarette. Do you ever stop to think about those who are truly dying outside of this living quarters? I told somebody this morning, and I know it was kind of brash and hard, forgive me. Some of you guys are pretty critical with me, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I told somebody this morning in my office, I said, you know, If we were responsible, let's just say the souls of our neighborhood. If we were Christians and we were made responsible for the souls of our neighborhood, they would probably all go to hell. I told you it was brass. But it's true. Truth doesn't always come in smooth but it'll change your life if you'll pay attention to it if it was up to us say rock of ages was the only church here in texas and the souls of texans outside of this building their salvation was dependent on us right here how much of the state would go to hell The Lord rejoices in the fact that we rejoice. But he never forgets those that are outside. Some of us may be waiting for people to come to their senses on their own. This is a phase that we're going through. You see, my son, 
He's going through a phase. I know he's a pothead right now, but all of us were like that when we were growing up. And that phase will just fade out, and, and he'll be okay. One of these days, he'll be worshiping. Oh, you know, this person over here, my friends at work, they're all that way, but it's just a phase, you know. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 8, listen to this. As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. That's beyond us, amen? As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. That should make us sober to understand that people, you can never wait for people just to wash out of sin. They need to be brought out of sin. That's where the disconnect is with a lot of us as believers. That we think that somehow some kind of Holy Ghost rain is going to come and just a whole bunch of sinners are going to run in with a torrents of water, of spiritual water. Come in and we did nothing except enjoy the ride. It was never like that in Scripture. Every single soul that was ever made conscious of Christ was spoken to by someone who knew Christ. You remember Peter in the upper room? Remember the apostles in the upper room? Many came out there. The Lord had baptized them in the power of the Holy Spirit. They came out there and they asked a question, what's going on here? And someone began to preach. Remember the Ethiopian Enoch? When Philip met with him in the chariot, he had questions. He didn't know. He was about his merry way. But Philip came and explained to him and brought him out. I can tell you that behind this pulpit is someone who was brought out. I didn't wash in here just because. You know what? Today's a good day to become a Christian. I like that idea. I haven't been a, I've been a lot of things, but I've never been a Christian. I'm going to try it. Now, because sin is delicious. If it wasn't delicious, you were already gotten off of it. But it's sugar to the soul. This is why it feels good. This is why it's challenging. This is why you embrace it. This is what is birthed from the flesh, remember? Nothing but lust and sin and ungodliness and jealousy and strife. They're all fruits of the flesh. So someone who is addicted to that can never be expected to one day just say, I'm just sick and tired of it. No, no, no. You think that the cocaine addict... He's going to say one day, you know what, I'm tired of cocaine. No, no, no. He does it every day because he, he searches for that particular place in his mind and in his person to be lost by that. And he likes that. The alcoholic, these are not sicknesses. These are spirits. And a spirit is never asked to leave. It's always commanded to leave. Evangelism. Ladies and gentlemen. It's time for Rock of Ages. I believe God is putting a demand on us. He's not recommending this. We can't read Matthew 28 and 18 and on. We can't read it as some kind of godly recommendation. It's a commandment. We are commissioned. And I believe that God is getting to the point of frustration, if you will, where the church has been asleep, taking care of its own self, 
feeling comfy inside of the house while the world around them is dying. And there's a demand, I believe, that is coming to the body. Where God is going to demand, where is the fruit? The Bible says that you and I are branches connected to the vine. The vine is life. Your proof of being connected to the vine is that you produce fruit. Yes? He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Outside of me. Away from me. Cut from me. You can do nothing. And I'm wondering if the Lord looks at the church these days and says, man, you are a branch that's far away from the vine. But no, we're connected. I don't believe you. I see no fruit. I see no fruit. Do or die, ladies and gentlemen. I mentioned, again, I'm just speaking to you this morning like I do to family. I should maybe come back and just give you a structured lesson plan. But you know what? I want to talk to you from my heart. I'm going to leave the structure aside and talk to you as family and tell you, listen, it's time. It's time. Some of us think that we have more time. Some of us have been allowed or pushed or conditioned to forget of the dying. You and I were dying had somebody not opened their mouth to tell you about Jesus. I am living proof that the person that spoke to me about Jesus was connected to the vine. Because when he spoke to me, it penetrated my soul. And I felt that somehow I was, a vacuum was brought uh, to my heart. And, and I needed to be connected to Christ. And all of us are a result of that. And all of us should feel indebted to the loss because of that. Paul said that he was indebted to both Greek and Jew. You see, because Paul knew he didn't deserve what he found in Christ. And how I pray that the Lord somehow in these last days would make us feel like we owe something. Because we do, we owe everything. Instead of feeling privileged and entitled, we are entitled to nothing. The Lord did not have to remember us. The Lord did not, does not have to be here today. The Lord didn't have to speak salvation to your heart. The Lord didn't have to bless you. The Lord didn't have to give you breath this morning. He didn't have to open your eyes to see a new day so that you could call it beautiful. We are indebted, ladies and gentlemen. And how I pray and how I believe the heart of God cries out for the church to feel some kind of responsibility, some kind of debt to him for the wonderful giftings he's given us, beginning with salvation. Mm. I spoke to you about the people in the book of Nehemiah. And they worshiped. On the foundation of knowledge of God's word. You know when people don't evangelize. Listen to me carefully. 
when people don't evangelize, it's the lack of knowledge of the word. If you can't worship unless you know God's word, you'll never evangelize because of the lack of knowledge of God's word. Because if you knew God's word, I wouldn't be having to tell you what I'm telling you today. I believe that's one great culprit for us to forget to evangelize and tell people because we don't have the knowledge or we reject the knowledge of God's word concerning the souls of the lost. Some of us forget as well. I'm not going to be too long with this. I've just got a couple of minutes I want to spend with you this morning and we're going to pray because I'm going to commission you today and I'm going to commission you in the presence of the Lord. You may be able to escape my eyes, but you will not escape God's word, God's eyes. Some of us also forget, ladies and gentlemen, that our salvation was a means to an end. That is, that's it. We have a saying here amongst the arrogant that says, I'm looking out for number one. As long as I'm saved and my kids are saved and we're going to heaven, hey man, everybody... Has a shot at it. Do whatever you're going to do. And we forget, ladies and gentlemen, we somehow have been caused to be, to, to, to be erased from our minds. The fact that those that are dying without Christ are also your bloodline. I've always had a tr a trouble remembering Ruth or Esther. That's why I call all of you sister and brother. But I believe it was Esther. Sister Sharon, yes? Are you here? Yes? If you'll read her story, you'll find that this woman was out of that particular circle, if you will. She was poor. She was gleaning off the land. And by the grace of God, the eyes of the king saw her. Just, I'm paraphrasing. There's a lot to this story, but I want to get to this point. That her story includes her being found by this king who found her very, very appealing to him. And he brought her in to become his own. And so now you have this woman who was gleaning off the fields now living in the king's quarters. Sharing a wonderful, intimate relationship with the king. It was her man. She loved him. He loved her. And outside of that palace where she was brought from, there came an unruly man by the name of Naaman, if I'm not mistaken, who hated the Hebrew nation, the Jewish community, and made it to himself in his mind that he would completely obliterate those people from the face of the earth. He hated them. And Mordecai, the uncle of this queen now, Esther, told her about her. And he said, Esther, I've got something to tell you, man. He goes, you know that guy? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got a death and a bounty on all of us. He's going to kill us. And the only one that can save us, Esther, is you because you know the king. Can you tell him, please, to come and rescue us? We're in trouble. 
And Esther, in all reverence to her king, declined because not even her, the wife, never approached the king just for just normal, mundane business. He was royalty. He was supreme. And I guess in her own self, she may have forgot that she owned his heart because he loved her. Or maybe she was just using an excuse because she completely forgot what she was about to be called to remember. And so she declined a little bit, was a little nervous. And they were insistent upon her that you need to do this because, again, they're going to destroy as the gallows are being built. And tomorrow, soon, we're going to see the nation hanging by its neck. And still, it was difficult. But yet, then her uncle said something very important. And this is what I want you to remember, ladies and gentlemen. If you can live with this, that's totally up to you. But he said, Esther, you know all the people that are dying outside? Yeah. Your family members are going to. Because that's where you came from. Your uncles, your aunts, cousins, nieces, nephews. The whole Esther family. Remember, they're your bloodline. They were like you. And they're going to die. That's what motivated the heart of this woman to speak to the king. And the king went and destroyed the oppressor of his people. Ladies and gentlemen. Unless we evangelize. Unless we open our mouth, unless we start bringing people to church, not only tell them, don't use that little mundane excuse, well, I tell everybody about Jesus and whatever, but what's the result? Well, I don't know. It's up to them. No, no, no. I told somebody this morning, I said, reaching out for somebody, the Bible teaches us that it's like snatching somebody out of the fire. There has to be action. There has to be a tugging. There has to be a pulling. There has to be responsibility to the person you, you speak salvation to. And that may mean you coming to get them to church. You, you and waiting for them at the door. You sitting down and, exp and explaining what the sermon means to them if they don't understand it. It means spending time with them on the phone and praying over them, teaching them how God has worked mirac miracles in your life. And so it motivated Esther. And that's the only thing that really got her to grips with reality. And ladies and gentlemen, today I pray that, that anything I say to you, Unless we do, they will die. And amongst those who die will be our own. I could ask for a show of hands of how many of us have children that are not in church nor want to come to church. And I think I'll see a few hands. Maybe if I raise my hand, I'll ask a couple of ladies, how many have husbands who refuse to come to church and you've really never been impressive upon them and you know that they're not going to come to church that easy. I think I'll have a show of hands. I would ask young people, how many of you have cousins and nieces and nephews that you know need Jesus, but you've said nothing, and you know that unless you do something, you're learning today, they will die. They will die. And this is how grave the message of evangelism was spoken to us by the Lord. This is what he's trying to make the church understand in these last days. Listen, this whole evangelistical thing. I came and I gave my life to you. I died for this. You think it's 
good enough for you just to put on something and uh, invite them to some hot dog church party? You think it's, it's it, I died just so that you can invite them to some Christmas special, some Easter specials or some activity outside in the back uh, 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 venue back there? No. It's more than that. I gave my life. I gave everything. And the purpose behind it was so that they would not die. And my death has produced you. And that life that I gave unto you, I'm expecting you to share so that my death will not be in vain to them. So that my life will be purpose-filled in their lives. Unless we do, they will die. Now I want you to think in your heart how many people you know that have been close to you that you could have but you have not because of whatever thing. You know, I was thinking the other day how sometimes we use the excuse that, well, you know, in the schools, you can't re-mention God. you got to be careful because they'll put you in jail and all these things. And, you know, in the city, you got to be careful as well with this. You know, we just finished playing a worship night in the city of Far, put together by the Chamber of Comrades. You think they don't know that the city needs Christ? Come on. Well, you know what, uh, it's a liberal college these days, and you know, all these kids are getting taught all these ugly things, antichrist things. Did you know that there's a ministry called Chi Alpha? You just heard a testimony last week about that. There's a ministry that they allow in the college to speak Christ to young people. Do you think that they know that the young people need Christ? And yet, we're waiting for a select few a volunteering few to do all the work. Do or die, what does that mean to you anymore? What does it mean? Sometimes we wonder why we should do this. I'll just read this really quick. The reason you should do this is because God commanded us to do so. The second reason I gave you already is because we are chosen branches in the vine. And the only way we can prove that we are Christ is that we produce life. Thirdly, for the unbeliever, it's because of the condition of their soul. That unless they hear about Christ, they will spend eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, eternity in hell is a long time. Yes? How long are you going to... Sometimes we use that just flippantly. How long were you there? I was there forever. No, you weren't. May have been there for a day or two or a few hours or whatever. Forever, forever. No, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to hell, that is forever. And forever is a long time. No lighting of candles. No prayers. No, help me this, help me that. Maybe we can give an offering and loosen his soul from the grips of a Christless eternity. No, it's over. The Bible says that the Lord has ordained that a man die and then judgment. No purgatory. Nothing. 
Why am I saying all this this morning? One, because I had another sermon that I was going to preach to you that probably would have had you applause and shout me down and say, Pastor, it was an awesome service, but the Lord wouldn't let me. And so my knees are shaking up here and nobody's clapping or shouting and smiling at me. They're all going like. But it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Unless we do, they will die. Prayer has always been minimal in the church for a long time. When revivals used to be caused by the fire of prayer. Now evangelism is even farther down the road. Now we're expecting just that few courageous young people or a couple of courageous good men. Someone who will go stand at some H-E-B and start declaring the word of God. And you'll see them as you go grocery shopping. Hey brother, how you doing? What if you stopped and say, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm evangelizing. Well, you know what? I was going to shop, but let me stay here with you for a few hours and let's minister. I really wish I could. Unless we do, they will die. That's the message for this morning. Unless we do, your children will die. Unless we do, your nieces and nephews, your grandchildren would die. Unless we do, your neighbors and your best friends will die. Unless we do, your mom, your dad, your sisters and brothers will die. Unless we do. We just stand to your feet today. I'm going to go home and try to recover from this morning. You still love me? You know what I'm doing this morning? I'm helping you to love your family. Some of you may be interpreting that. It was, well, you know, he's, he's just scolding us. No, no. I'm helping you to learn to love your family. I'm helping you to learn to build the character of Christ in your life. The Bible says that it's his desire that none be lost. He came and gave his life as a ransom for many. I'm just helping you recognize how blessed you are. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm just helping you. I'm not scolding you. I'm not spanking on you. You feel like I'm spanking on you. You're not in the spirit. You're in the flesh. You're being offended by things that you're refusing to lose or listen to. But I'm speaking to your soul. The Lord wants to speak to your soul and help you love your family. To love others at work. To love the neighborhood. To love everyone you meet. Give them an opportunity. Give them a rope to that ark of salvation.
That's what I'm doing this morning. I hope that that's what you feel this morning. Because God knows my heart. I have loved you. I have encouraged you. I know I've spanked you a couple of times. But you're better for it. You are certainly, I have the best church in the world. I have the best church in the world. You don't come here to be impressed. You don't come here to be babied. You come here to hear God's word. That's why you're here. And I love that. I make no apologies for you. I never say, well, you know, our church, he's okay. You know, they're getting, no, no, no. I've got the best group of believers in the world in this house. Because you're here and you love God's word. Even if it brings you to your face on the ground in worship. Because you understand how difficult or hard or what he wants for us. I'm helping you love your family. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want you to think of someone, a best friend, a friend, someone, an acquaintance, family, children, sons, daughters, wife, husband, grandpa, grandma, anybody. You know that one person that God's going to lay someone in your heart right now, even right now as I say it. That person's coming to your heart right now. That one person, I'm not talking about you thinking, oh, him, 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 her, and her, and her. No, no, no. That one person God just laid in your heart right now. I want you to close your eyes. You're, you're, you're looking at that person right now in the name of Jesus. That's the Lord showing you who you need to go to. That's the Spirit of God showing you who you need to speak to immediately concerning Christ. You need to lay aside your embarrassment. You need to lay aside how introverted you feel that you are. You need to lay aside the embarrassment of this or the other or he's my friend or this. All the excuses lay aside. God is calling you to be a branch that's connected to the vine and produce life. We want revival. And did you know the Bible says that there is revival? When someone says yes to Christ, that is genuine revival. We'll never have to bring a popular celebrity worship team to the house of God. We'll never have to bring that evangelist that travels around the world and he's so exciting and dynamic to bring revival. No, no. If we bring lost souls into the house of God, that will cause a revival that is unending. That is unending. You see that person right now. Your eyes are closed. And I want you to pray with me because we're going to pray for them. And you're simply going to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice say, Lord, I see him. I see her. I see them. Give me the strength. Give me your word. Holy Spirit, walk with me. Help me. Speak through me. But I will speak to them. And you will do the work, Father, to penetrate their hearts once and for all. 
And they will come to you in worship and praise. I am a branch, Lord. And you are the vine. Let life flow through me as I speak to this person. And I will bring him, I will bring her to the house of God. And I will watch over them. I commit myself to them to help them establish a relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, I accept this charge. Father, I pray for your people, Lord. Give us a heart after yours. We've learned to worship you. We've learned your word. We've learned so many things that we are doing to please you. And I know you're pleased with us, Lord, as your people. I know you are. I know you're pleased with the Rock of Ages. I know you're pleased with us as we love on you. Father, I pray that we would do everything we can to pleasure you, Father, as we learn to reach out and share you with others who, unless we do, we understand will die. Help us to bring someone to the house of God that they may love you and worship you as I do. Give me the strength, Lord, not to lose sight, not to just do it once, but to be constant, Lord, just the way you are every morning reminding us that we are your children. Holy Spirit, you're always nudging at us every day, every moment. You speak to us. You encourage us. You stop us. You move us forward. You hurry us. You slow us down every day, Father. Holy Spirit, I, we know that you're here with us always. Help us to be there for them. As they learn and pick up momentum, Father God, in their walk with you. How many times will we have to speak on this, Lord, before we gain this understanding? Today we understand, Father, what it means when it comes to you and this lost world. You are saying to the church, unless you do, they will die. Forgive us, Father, if we've waited too long for some. Forgive us, Lord, if we should have, but we never did. But this is a new day, Father. Help us today, Father, to not do it once, but again and again and again until we see a multitude of people coming to Christ. That is life's most urgent responsibility as believers. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. I'm hoping that we will bring someone to church this coming Sunday. This coming Wednesday. Bring somebody to church. That person that God has shown you. You need to go to them immediately.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give. 